good morning. I'm going to have you shift gears a tad from, uh, from climate change and from the weather to, uh, kind of embarrassed to say this, to putting puzzles together. So if you shifted your gears there, here we go. Sit back <clears throat> and get ready. Did you ever put a puzzle together and discover when you were almost finished that you were missing one or two pieces? So you're sitting there looking at your puzzle and you're missing two pieces and what you have before you is an incomplete puzzle. And when you get to puzzle put, uh, putting the puzzle together, unless all the pieces are there and properly snapped in place, the puzzle is simply incomplete. So what do you do? If you're like the rest of us, you begin the search for the missing piece and continue until hopefully you find it. Or maybe you went to visit Cammie's cell. And if you've ever been in Cammie's room, guess what you will find? I see some people smiling. You will find a table there in her room and with a puzzle there. She has a, a very neat setup. She has a, a different trays, and she puts different shapes and sizes on different pieces on trays. So if you're looking for a certain piece, you can kind of sift through and find exactly what you want. Sometimes when we go there, I take the time to, to sit down and snap a few pieces in for her, help her, I should say, which, by the way, she does appreciate. Some people, it's not like she wants to do it by herself. But then I, I, I like to find a certain piece, and I look at where it belongs. I know exactly the shape and size it's supposed to be, and I'm determined I'm going to find that piece, and I search and I search and I search, and anyway, we end up and let Cammie finish after we leave. It's, I can't find that certain, certain piece. It's not that we go through Christian life. It's not like our life is necessarily a puzzle, but... And we're not constantly trying to find that missing piece as we go through life. But Colossians 2.10, and you're welcome there. That's where we are going to be today, or Colossians 2. And verse 10, so think about putting puzzles together and how missing a piece or two, the puzzle is incomplete. Colossians 2.10, and you are complete in him, which is ahead of all principality and power. Complete in Christ is our message title this morning. Complete in Christ. Some people go through life searching for a missing piece. While others are at peace and complete in Christ. Two different sides of the, of, of the coin there. So this morning, are you looking for a missing piece or are you at peace and complete in Christ. Looking uh, for correct pieces in a puzzle can, and putting it together can be fun at times, and you get a, a feeling of success when it's complete, but the point to remember that in, in our spiritual journey as we're going through life, when we, you and I, when we find Christ, when we accept Christ as our personal Savior, brothers and sisters, we are complete in Him. You can snap that last piece of that puzzle in and say, mission accomplished. But we also are, find that sense of completeness when we are in Christ. And when we are complete with Christ, we have no reason to go looking for other pieces in life. Because why? We go back. We're complete. And we're complete in Christ. So we're going to continue our study through Colossians this morning. We are in chapter 2. And if we go back to verse 6, kind of backs up, get our little bit of a 
a background from this. As ye therefore have received Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk ye in him. So we are walking in Christ. Look at verse 7. We're rooted in Christ. We're built up in Christ. We're established in the faith. So you get the picture of a group of strong Christian people pressing forward, going through life. And verse 7, we are abounding with thanksgiving. And we can't help but look at verse 8 quickly. We are on guard against deception, as we can find there. So we're going to jump in at verse 9 and uh, plan to cover through verse 17 this morning with the title, Complete in Christ. Verse 9 through 17, let's read. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and we are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also we are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sin and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against you, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink, or in respect of a holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ." <clears throat> All the fullness of the Godhead bodily kind of ties in well with chapter 1, verse, verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. We looked at that verse earlier. As we journey through life, so that's where we all find ourselves at this morning. Our focus, according to the letter to Colossians, is to be on the person of Jesus Christ. Sure, we may have other goals and projects in life that we're working on. We probably all do. But above all else, our focus is to be in the person of Jesus Christ. And in verse 9, we have one of the clear statements on the deity of Jesus Christ. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. The complete person and character of our Father God is revealed in Jesus Christ. So we read the New Testament, we read the Gospels, and we see exactly the character and person of Jesus Christ. Basically, that's also our Father God himself. The, the statement in verse 9 can be said about no other than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is fully God, fully human, and completely divine. That's who we are serving today. As we get down into some of the following verses, and we think about verses 6 and 7, who we are, where we are in Christ, this is who we are serving so we get bombarded with false teaching today, but the central test, or the primary test, we should say, for any religious teaching should begin with a few of these questions. Number one, where does it place Jesus Christ? If, if, if questionable doctrine comes your direction, where does it place Jesus Christ? The second question we get asked, does it rob Jesus Christ of his fullness? Does it deny his deity? Does it question his humanity, which is a large area of debate? 
Verse 9 tells us in Jesus Christ, we see the Father God, our Father God. So if something questionable comes your way, just apply some of these, these questions. Does it place Jesus Christ first? We were singing this morning on the highest place. Does it place Jesus Christ above all? And if it answers yes, then these other questions here needs to be avoided. In him, do we place Jesus Christ at the correct place in our lives? So you take a, a quick look back to verse 6, we're walking in Christ. You look at verse 7, where we are. And then you look at verse 9 and we're reminded again of who we are serving, who we are worshiping, and who we are praising. Jesus Christ is one with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. The three in the Trinity serve together as one unit. So to look at verse 9 again, in Jesus Christ we find the character and the person of God. This is who we are rooted in. Jesus Christ who has the same character of God. Verse 10, we are complete in him. This is beautiful. We are complete in Christ. This morning, you're here this morning, you are either a son or a daughter. Everyone here this morning is one of those. You could be a father or a mother. Maybe you're an employee at your workplace. You're here this morning. Maybe you're a business owner. Maybe you're a member here at Myerstown. Maybe you're a member of some team. Maybe you're a school teacher or a couple here planning to be just shortly. Well, and the list could go on. And maybe you fill most of these roles and maybe others. So there's a lot of roles that you have in life of who you are. Correct. But... If you are a child of God, you are complete in Jesus Christ. And it is so beautiful. Go back to the puzzle. We're not looking for pieces to fill our life with. We're not searching, going to wherever and finding place, that missing piece. We're not asking each other, what is missing in my life? We're not going to Amazon and buying it. We're complete in Christ. We have it in Christ. And Jesus gives us Everything that we possibly need. You are complete in Christ. We have no other place to look for anything that we need. Jesus Christ said, here it is. I give it to you. Just accept me. The gift is there. It is so beautiful. It means that the believer is committed in Christ. And, all, that, and he and she has all that they need for life and godliness. We are complete. We're not here this morning and to, looking for, and we don't have no need for a, a Jewish ceremony. We have no need for human philosophy, back in verse 8. We have no need for angelic mediators. No. There's no need for us to be looking for pieces to, fill, to make us complete because we have that in Jesus Christ. To be complete in Christ is to be completely content, to be richly blessed, and we are, to be entirely satisfied and to be well supplied spiritually. We have everything that we need. Basically, we could say we have need of nothing. And my thought went to Psalm 23.1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And to a, a young person reading that verse, I shall not want, basically I have no needs. My needs are fulfilled. The secular philosophies in this world are empty and hollow because they are based upon the false reasoning of fallen men who do not understand the fear of the Lord. And that teaching could come into your ears. You've got to be careful. Go back. Does it deny the deity of Jesus Christ? So Paul contrasts uh, the insufficiency of those philosophies with the sufficiency of Christ. That will leave you down. You'll feel uh, empty. But Christ can give you what you need. 
Some people go through life searching for a missing piece, while others are at peace and complete in Jesus Christ. Are you looking for that peace, or have you found that in Christ? So, verse 10, we, we see, yes, we're complete in Christ. Verse 9, in him dwells the fullness of God. Then we see, he is the head of all principality and power. He is above all others in rule and authority. Victory is promised for those who find themselves in verses 6 and 7, because of what we see in verses 9 and 10. If you're walking in Christ and rooted in him, victory is promised because you're serving God, Jesus Christ, who is, has the character of God, and is, we can find our complete satisfaction in him, and he is above all in power and authority. And there you will find victory. Moving on, verses 11 through 15, the emphasis shifts just a little bit. It's not so much on who Christ is, but what he has accomplished for us. What Christ has accomplished for us. Verse 11, in whom we are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. The false teachers back in the days of the, the, when the letter was written were saying that the Colossians had to be circumcised according to the Jewish law if they wanted to be saved. So they were indicating that salvation was made available through a ritual, which is false teaching. They incorrectly believed that circumcision was about externals. But Paul assures us here that Christ cut away everything sinful from their lives. It says a circumcision of the heart, which only Jesus Christ can do. This is not talking about an external circumcision, but one of cutting away of sin. He describes it as one done without hands, which symbolizes the putting off part of our human nature that was at odds with the heart of God. So the sinful nature, which we were when we were born, needed to be, needs to be removed before we can, verse 6, walk with Christ. And there we have it. Christ cut off that sinful nature so we can walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. A Jewish priest can circumcise a man's foreskin, but only Christ can bring spiritual circumcision, which is cutting away of the sinful nature. Something that, man, we cannot do on our own. Again, we need Christ. So Christ's presence within our heart becomes a resource for us to conquer sin in our lives. With Christ within, we have that power and ability to conquer that sin. So along with that comes the process of putting off the body of sin. And along with that, ushered in, is the process of justification, which is being made as if we had never sinned. Okay. Born with a sinful nature, along comes Christ and cleanses us and turns around and makes us people as if we had never sinned because of the cleansing power he has within. So through Christ we are justified, we are cleansed, and sanctified. Again, we're looking at what Christ has accomplished for us. The verse, end of verse 11, we see the circumcision of Christ. It's a reference to the crucifixion when Christ was cut off out of the land of the living in Isaiah 58. And today, because of his crucifixion, it motivates us to daily seek uh, to conquer the sin in our lives and to do what? To walk in newness of life. We know the old man and the new man. We're not walking in the old life. We're walking in the new life. We have been the sinful nature was cut off in Christ, and today we can walk in the new life that he has given us. 
Sometimes we sing, when I survey the wondrous cross, and then the song concludes with the words, Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, and my all. So back up. We're complete in Christ. And we have that sense of feeling and of security when we're with him. Sense of victory and peace. And then the question for you and I is, are we giving him our all? You know, he paved the way, so to speak, and, and laid everything out for us. So it's our decision just to follow him faithfully. Keep sin out of our lives and to walk with him. Jesus paid it all. What do we? We owe all to him. Verse 13, we're buried with him in baptism. So baptism carries the implication of being immersed. New believers are what? We're buried with Christ. Okay? Death to self. Buried with Christ, but then raised to new life through faith. Romans 6, 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. Death to self. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should what? Walk in newness of life. Out with the old, in with the new. Removing sin, walking with Christ. Rooted and grounded in him. You cannot immerse yourself in a pool of water without getting wet. And so it is your dry condition will be chained to the opposite and you will be wet. And so it is when we are immersed with Christ, our sinful condition will be changed completely and we are going to rise to a new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful picture. Again, he paid it all. He paved the way. We have to follow if we want to experience what he, was telling, what he has given to us. Sin and death and hell are no longer have a claim on God's people. But change has taken place. Out with the old and in with the new. It's just a, a symbol of death to the old man and a resurrection of new life in Christ. So verse 11 refers to the inward spiritual cleansing. And verse 12 is the outward symbol of what has happened of the inner experience. Verse 13, and you being dead in your sin or dead in your trespasses speaks of the human inability to respond spiritually. So as humans in our natural state, where are we at? We're dead, were dead in our trespasses and sin. We are, this morning, we're Gentiles. And Gentiles were originally outside of God's covenant. So we were beyond the limits of his promises, beyond the limits of his protection and his provision. So you get the picture uh, of a hopeless situation. As Gentiles, we were outside God's covenant. Yet, God looked down on what we thought was a helpless situation, and he abolished the requirements of the law by nailing them to the cross. So today, God accepts us as Gentiles because of what Christ has accomplished on the cross. So Christ went to the cross for your sins and for mine. So God takes the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ, and applies it to our account and renews a right standing with him. His love for his son is shown here along with his love for fallen mankind combined with his desire for a close relationship 
to you and I. You being dead in your, tr- in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, that's where we were at. But he quickened us together, which is what? Verse 13, we were dead in our sin. Quickened is to make alive. We were dead, but made alive. So Christ has made a drastic change in our life here in these verses. We're circumcised by him. We're baptized with him and risen. Plus, we're forgiven and made alive. Yes, I, I, made, I made mention of a hopeless, helpless situation, but Christ has changed all that, and today we're here this morning, we're blessed beyond measure. And our response to his goodness, we see in verses 6 and 7. We're walking with Christ. We're built up in him. We're abounding with thanksgiving. And then he goes on and reminds us what, what Christ has done for, for us. In verse 13 alone, we went from being spiritually dead, we went from being in the chains of sin, to being forgiven and made alive in Christ. Now, just try to imagine where you and I would be had it not been for God's forgiveness and for his love for man. Take God's forgiveness and his love for you and I out of the picture, and where would we be? But that's not the case because of God's love for us. A quote from D.L. Moody. I quote, There is no father on earth who has made, who has as much love for his heart, in his heart, as God has for you. And your children are sitting there thinking, well, my father loves me. That's true, he does, but not to the point where God loves you. He continues, my quote continue, the quote continues, You may be as sinful as hell, yet God stands ready and willing to receive you to his bosom and to forgive you freely. And I read that a couple of times and it caught my attention. Regardless of where we are at in our life, as sinful as we may be, God is there, arms open wide, saying, I will forgive you. So we need to take a moment and, and reflect on the forgiveness of God. So we sing sometimes, love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. His love for us is indescribable, as is his forgiveness. Then we go to Hebrew, to Peter, and we read that his desire is that the entire human race would be saved. The entire human race would be saved. His desire is that not one soul should perish, yet multitudes are rejecting his gift of salvation. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Then he added, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Salvation is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So back to the love of God that has for us, we did not ask God for the gift of salvation. He offered it to whosoever will before anyone had a chance to ask. We did not beg for his forgiveness. He said he will forgive us long before we came to him asking for forgiveness. We did not say, Lord, can I have a home in heaven? He said he's going to go there and prepare us one for us there. And the list could go on. And as we saw earlier... God's love for you and I is indescribable. He has a love for us that knows no limits. And Jesus is the answer for all who want this type of love and forgiveness. Fast forwarding for a moment. Life on this earth is described as but for a moment. Okay? Now we think, well, 365 days, take that times 80, that's a long time. But life on this earth is but for a moment followed by eternity. Now I'd like to ask another question. Where will you spend eternity? 
And this question, this answer, there are only two answers to the question. One place where you will spend it is safe in the arms of Jesus. The other answer is you will not uh, spend eternity there. So where will you spend eternity? And the song says, where will you be a million years, which seems like a long time. Let's bring it back into church this morning. Where will you be in 50 years from now? Where will you be in 75 years from today? Where will you be? I say for the third time that Jesus Christ paved the way. And the decision lies in our hearts. For us, what are we doing with the gift that God has given to us? Where will you be? Where will you spend eternity? Moving on, verse 14. And this kind of ties in well with our Sunday school lesson. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. The uh, Mosaic law stands against us because it makes demands which we are not able to keep. It's just so opposite from the love and forgiveness that we just looked at that God has for us. The law basically made life impossible. And on the, on the other side of the coin, God simply calls us to him and says he will offer us rest and peace. So to describe what Christ accomplished for us, Paul uses the words, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us. So what he's referring to is a... a when Christ died for us, it was a sweeping cancellation of the Old Testament ceremonies. When the veil of the temple was rent in twain, in two from the top to the bottom at the time of Christ's death and resurrection, Christ fulfilled the Old Testament law, and by his death, he liberated us from his condemnation. So, verse 14 is not taking the Old Testament and making it void, but rather, Jesus Christ fulfilled the law through his death on the cross. And many of the Old Testament commandments are reaffirmed in the New Testament, which you and I follow today. So why did Christ have to die? Well, if God could have overlooked sin, the cross would not have been necessary. And Christ would not have died. But that is not possible. So thankfully, he loves sinners so much that God designed a plan to wipe away and to remove sinners' unrighteousness, which we all stood stand, stood in need of. God's plan was to cancel the record of sin that was against us, and his plan was fulfilled by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And when I got to my study, another song came to mind. Had it not been for a place called Calvary, had it not been for the old rugged cross, had it not been for a man called Jesus, then forever what would happen? Our souls would be lost. Why do we owe everything to him? Because he gave us his all as well. When we stop and consider everything that was fulfilled when Jesus said, it is finished and the veil was torn in two, it should cause us to, to stand in awe and thank and praise our Savior for the price that he paid. You know, thank you, Jesus, for laying down your, your life for my sin. So he blotted out the handwriting ordinances, which was contrary to us, not something we could do. He took it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. Verse 15 is a continuation. He spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing in them, triumphing over, in, over them in it. 
He spoiled principalities and powers. Back in the Roman times, when the when they won a war, war they held a, a great ceremony uh, after their victory. And uh, the ceremony celebrated the winner, at the same time humiliated the losing side. And in the same way, God put his enemies to an open shame, triumphing uh, over death of the, through the Lord Jesus Christ. He made an open shame to the sinners. So because of that, I mean to his enemies, because of that, one day, all, we're told all, including the enemies of God, what are they going to do? They're going to bow down and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Philippians 2, 10, 11, that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He spoiled the powers that be. He spoiled, he disarmed the rulers, disarmed the other authorities. He stripped them of their power. Yes, Jesus Christ was, was swallowed by death for three days in the grave, but then he rose, stripping the other powers of their other authorities of their power. And that is, is the gospel message. And that message there can, can transform any sinner instantly. And sometimes we get caught up in the arguments and forget the simplicity of the gospel, but it is simply Jesus Christ and him crucified for the, for the sinners. He paid the price that needed to be paid so that we can walk in a new life. Death has lost all its force in the Christian life. No longer even producing fear because of Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. What he has done for you and I. Death has lost its sting and the grave assures the beginning of eternity with Jesus Christ. Not saying the grave is not a sad sight but it assures the beginning of eternity with Jesus Christ. And while, that is, while Christ has done that, today Satan is still doing a terrible damage to our world. But when we see the power displayed in verse 15, we remember that his ultimate doom in the lake of fire was secured at the cross. Rome, uh, Matthew 25, 41 then shall he say unto them on his left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Having spoiled principality and power. Jesus Christ, back to verse 9, he is, and verse 10, he is above all. All power, he is above all. The peace of, uh, the God of peace, according to verse Romans 16, 20, will crush Satan under our feet. And those who are on the Lord's side are on the winning side. We sing victory in Jesus. It's in him. That's exactly right. In Christ and Christ alone. The question could be asked, are you on the winning side? I repeat, some people go through life searching for a missing peace, while others have peace and are complete in Jesus Christ. Do you have that sense of peace in your heart this morning? Verses 16 and 17, here we see the warning against legalism, which is the dependence upon the moral law rather than personal faith in Jesus Christ. So the false teachers were saying, oh, you got to eat and drink this to a certain, and, and observe these days. And Paul's saying, no, that's not how it works. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink 
or in respect of a holiday or a new moon. Uh, these false teachers were attacking the church with, with legalism, and, which, and they were saying that salvation is available if you can t- keep these laws and hold these rituals. The reference for uh, festivals and Sabbaths is referring to the Feast of Trumpets and other festivals that we find in Leviticus 23. Other holy days included the Feast of the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And you go back to the Jewish day, it was extremely important that every Jew, that each special day be observed properly. And they would, this is what you need to do if you want salvation. But remember verse 14, Christ fulfilled these, day, these special days. Uh, and, and observing all these strict regulations will not gain salvation. Blotting out the handwriting. That's why Paul is saying in verse 16, don't let people judge you about the old law because Christ has fulfilled that. Today, we are not living under Old Testament laws. We are not under the obligation to observe the laws relating to foods and special days. What were they? Verse 17, which were a shadow of things to come. They were simply a, a shadow of Christ. And now that Christ has come, these Old Testament laws, uh, ceremonies have been passed away. And you get to the end here, verse 17, and you look back over what we covered, and it appears like Paul is using every single, every angle possible to drive home the point that he told us in verse 10. You are complete in Christ. Christ took, accomplished Verse 11, verse 12, verse 13, and 14, and 15. And because of that, don't let people take you back to the law in verses 16 and 17. Go back to verse 10. Brothers and sisters, we're complete in Christ. We don't need some of these things that they looked at in the Old Testament. So how can we narrow down these verses this morning and make a practical application? The whole point is that our eternal destiny... And our salvation is not based upon keeping the ceremonial regulations of the Old Testament. But it is upon our faith and our heart attitude towards Jesus Christ. Does the peace of God, is the peace of God flooding your heart this morning? And we, you know without a shadow of a doubt where you are at with Christ. Are you in verse 6 and verse 7? Walking with him, rooted in him? Or are you at odds and you need Christ to circumcise the sin in your heart, verse 11, so that you can have that complete life in Christ? If we receive Jesus Christ, God gives us eternal life. If we reject Jesus Christ, the wrath of God abides upon us, John 3 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth Not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Verses from the New Testament. You could ask yourself the question right there. Do you believe on the Son? And if you do, you're promised eternal life. If you reject, you're promised the the wrath of God will be upon you. So the Old Testament regulations were designed to be temporary rules that ended when Christ came. And as we see in verse 17, they were only designed to be a shadow, an anticipation of the best that was yet to come, 
which we know that what the best was, that is Jesus Christ. So outward observances are never to become the substance of our faith. Observing rituals will never lead to changed lives. Verses 11 through 15. But genuine faith in Jesus Christ will bring change. Do we have that faith in our hearts and in our lives? The ingredient of our relationship with God is of Christ. The end of verse 17. That is living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people go through life searching for a missing piece, but others are at peace and complete in Jesus Christ. Again, John 3, 16, he that, John 3, 36, he that believes on the Son hath everlasting life and will be complete in Christ. Do you feel that sense of completion this morning? Do you feel content, satisfied, fulfilled in Christ? Always very often amazed at how the songs and then the devotional and the Sunday school lesson and the message all tie together. If you were here before Sunday school, we sang number 582, My Faith Has Found a Resting Place. And uh, I'm just going to read verse 3, which we did not sing. And Nate, you don't have to lead this song. It's just we sang it this morning. Just think about what we talked about this morning so far. And look at verse 3 here in this song. My soul is resting in the word, the living word of God. Salvation in my Savior's name. Salvation through his blood. Again, no outward observances. It's through Jesus Christ. The refrain is beautiful. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and rose again for me. I hope and trust that each heart, each soul here this morning is just resting in that peace and completeness that we can find in Jesus Christ. Don't be out there looking for other pieces of the life that you need to plug in. You can find it all in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pause for prayer. Lord, we come before you here this morning just so grateful, thankful, and filled with gratitude for the fact that we can find complete we can complete our lives in you. And I pray, Lord, that we could just be the kind of people that are continuing to search you and to continue to know, understand you better. And I pray, Lord, that we can also not be of those who are looking for, for the missing pieces, but we can find that everything that we need, that sense of fulfillment in you. Lord, if there is a soul here this morning that does not have that peace, that is not complete, I pray, Lord, they could find you before it is too late. Just... Touch hearts, touch lives, speak to people. And Lord, I pray that they can just accept you because you said when we accept you, we find eternal life. And if we reject you, the wrath of God abides upon us. Lord, help us to be faithful to you today, tomorrow, until you call us home. Give us wisdom and direction. May we walk in you. May we be rooted and grounded in you. May we be established in the faith. May we be a thankful people as we are complete in you. Thank you for this time this morning. Bless each heart and soul here this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. May we have a song, please?